Creative Babble. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tonight, I have an appointment with a hypnotherapist. I want to use hypnosis to try to access memories of a specific event in my life. I know this event took place, yet I have zero memories of it actually happening. I was pretty anxious. So before my appointment, I stopped by my friend Nolan's house to talk about it. You want me to just start from the beginning and just... Yeah. So... I did this lie detector series. Do you remember that? Right. Well, essentially, the way you beat the polygraph test is by doing hypnosis. He, he had a lot of techniques, but that's where he landed. That The best technique was hypnosis. So you're using hypnosis as a countermeasure. When you're supposed to be nervous, you relax, and vice versa. It just nullifies the, the polygraph. So I started researching that, and then I saw videos of people getting their teeth pulled or cavities filled with hypnosis with no anesthesia just using hypnosis and i can't imagine those two things sound incredibly painful sure and so and then i started thinking about it i was like what the hell is hypnosis anyways like i don't even know i think i know what hypnosis is but like i don't really know what hypnosis is i mean you said you think you know what it is what were your like preconceived notions about what hypnosis is i hear that people could get use hypnosis to quit smoking to lose weight to become a better public speaker whatever and that kind of makes sense but then you see the vegas stage hypnosis and like people right. bark like a dog and and act like fools on stage and so why do they i mean i've looked at this before like what why do you think that they do it when they're on stage? I mean, I personally think that they get, they get caught in the moment. Okay. I, I think of a more violent example, like a, a mob. People that ordinarily wouldn't smash a window are now caught in a moment. Adrenaline. Know? Right. Is that hypnosis or is that like the power of suggestion? Right. And right? actually, somewhere, think, somewhere in their subconscious, are they telling themselves that? And Otherwise, that's, why would they do it? That's where I'm landing, that, that it's not this magical trick that they're tapping into some brain wave of yours that makes you do things like the hypnotist isn't in control of you but i do think that that's what it is it's the power of suggestion right they say quack like a duck and they made it safe for you to do that and then therefore you do it you know? right versus they somehow reprogrammed your brain right to do something you wouldn't against your will right like is, the more people I asked about it, nobody had like a consistent answer of what hypnosis was. And so I just wanted to do an episode. What, what, what's your take on hypnosis? What do you think? I think to me sounds like in some way clearing your mind to be able to help you to mem bring about a memory that's already there. I mean, so I don't know what I'd be. I'm curious to hear what your experience was like, because I don't know what it actually looks like in regressive therapy. But I would imagine they're helping you tap into something you already you just can't access. It's not that it isn't there or they're creating it or right. they're just somehow clearing the way for you to be able to access it. But And I, I believe in 
hypnosis and in some form of it. I believe in meditation. I was How just about, about to say it's almost exactly it's there's no almost no differentiation between it and meditation. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So like, what is hypnosis really? Is it meditation? Is it focused attention? Is it relaxation? Is it suggestion? Like it seems like there's multiple ways of describing it. It almost feels like a forced meditation, like an right. out someone else meditating you versus you meditating yourself. Right. And that's what I think hypnosis is like. Yeah. You know, if I had to guess. Exactly. Or in or the runner's high, right? You run and run and all of a sudden you just, your your body and your breathing and your the steps and everything, your heart starts racing and you can lose an hour and r run 10 miles that you didn't know you had in you, right? right. And you can't do it all the time. All the time. Or sometimes you're driving to work and you halfway through the drive, you snap out of it and you're like, where am I? Right. Have you ever had that? Like, where am I? Or like, what was I listening to? Cause I missed the last yeah. 10 minutes of it. So like, I don't completely think it's bullshit, but parts of it is bullshit. And well, so I guess it sounds I like the way he, they're trying to say it's something that it is more than what it is. Right. I mean, that's, or the, some people are, right. Some people are. And that's what I'm finding is that it's all over the place. This podcast is typically about deception. The stories are about someone pulling the wool over our eyes. But this episode is a little different. Is our mind the one playing tricks on us? Is hypnosis even a real thing? I'm going to do my best to try to answer these questions by talking to some of the experts in the field. But most importantly, I want to undergo hypnosis, experience it for myself, and try to unlock memories from my childhood that, honestly probably should never resurface. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. When I first started thinking about this episode, I asked my listeners on Facebook and Twitter if they've ever experienced hypnosis. I got some pretty interesting responses. This is Kelly. Hey, big fan of the podcast. I saw your Twitter post. I underwent hypnosis about two years ago because I was feeling like I was having trouble transitioning from one industry to another. And I felt that the biggest barrier to that transition was my mindset. It is a deeply meditative experience. Within a year, I did achieve my goal and exceeded it and not only broke into the industry, but was able to pivot into two roles that I wanted and to ultimately landing my dream job. Then Beatrice sent me her story about quitting smoking. I'm a 47-year-old and I've been smoking since I was 18. I attempted to quit so many times, but nothing ever stuck. 
So uh, December 26th of 2020, I had my first session. It went well. It took 45 minutes, I think, and it was beyond relaxing. And ever since then, I've been smoke-free. I remember everything that happened. My only regret is I wish I had done it sooner. It seems like everyone who contacted me used hypnosis to improve their lives. And according to them, it helped. But this next listener submission really made an impression. Hi, Javier. My name is Anna. I kind of have a unique experience with hypnosis. I myself have had two natural births under hypnosis. And it was hugely beneficial for me because I can't have a normal epidural. That was really my main way to cope with the pain of childbirth. Truly, I would say life-changing for me because I had a traumatic birth before I had found hypnosis. How it worked was I had a voice recording of a lady who talked me through each contraction and she would actually give visualizations like you're walking towards a room and you're walking down a hallway. And so I had a very good experience with it and I would say that my pain level was a three out of 10 compared to a 10 out of 10 with my first birth when I didn't use hypnosis. Let me put this out there right now. I'm not sure I believe hypnosis is a real thing. To me, it sounds like magical thinking and my skeptic brain can't handle it. But also, it's not like I don't believe in it either. Honestly, I, I don't know what to think. I once watched a man grab a hold of an alligator, flip it upside down, and put it in a trance. The alligator just laid on its back for what seemed like hours, until the man woke it up from its slumber. I've seen nature shows where pigeons flipped over and appeared to be mesmerized. Is this hypnosis? But then you have the stage hypnotist. And you gotta wonder, is this all an act? By the way, if you've ever taken part in stage hypnosis, shoot me a voice memo. I want to hear all about your experience. So I wanted to know for myself what it felt like to fall into a trance. Let's go back to that screened-in porch outside my friend Nolan's house. He's helping me sort out my thoughts right before my regressive hypnosis session. So I had this idea, because I've never really been hypnotized by a hypnotherapist or whatever, but I thought... You know, there, there's one thing that happened to me when I was a kid that I definitely don't remember because I was just too young to remember. I was eight months old and I was on a walker, you know, like those little walkers. It's like where little kids just kick and they move around the room. I was in one of those things. And apparently I walked into the kitchen while my mom wasn't looking and I pulled the cord of, of the electric rice cooker, oh which gosh. was boiling water and oil. And it spilled on the left side of my body. So I have like third degree burns all over my body. Oh, I was eight months old. Yeah. So I don't remember any of that. But I do remember, you know, growing up with like melted cheese on my arm. You know, I oh, looked like, I looked like really? Freddy Krueger, you know? And so obviously that was a traumatic experience, but I don't remember it. We never talk about this as a family. So like... I probably had a conversation with my mom about it like five times my whole life, you know? Right. And so the story goes that my great-grandma came in, poured cold milk on my body just to cool me off, 
And my mom, instead of calling the rescue, called my neighbors because she felt like maybe they could get me there quicker. And so the neighbors come over, they grab me, they take me to the hospital, which is like, it should be a 15 minute drive, but it's like a, it's like a really narrow road with a lot of traffic. So God knows how long it took. And she says that I stopped traffic with the screams. It was just like God awful. I can't even imagine, you know? Yeah. Being and a dad so, now, like that's. And I'm blessed that I don't remember. Yeah, like sure, I'm of course. really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have the scars? Oh yeah. You want to see it? I mean, yeah. you could be like. I mean, I've never noticed that. Yeah, all. you wouldn't because it's taken you 40 kid, years. It was bad. So do you see how my skin I do is? see. Yeah, do. it's kind of weird. But this is third degree. This wow. is third degree. So my arm is but third I degree. I don't know that I would know. Wow. Well, you would wow, notice that. This. I notice. Yeah, my shoulder is third I've degree. I've never seen that before. So like first degree, second degree, third degree, first degree down my calf, my, my thigh, third degree, and my stomach, first degree. Wow. It didn't get my face or anything valuable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But well, hold on. So this wasn't just like a one-time event that you forgot. Right. Like, so you this would is think something that, that shaped you. Because I imagine people said, what is that on your arm your whole life? Oh, yeah. My you whole life. But not explaining but not or not telling even, a story that you don't, don't remember, right? Well, it's not even the incident itself. But it's also my dad said that when I came home from the hospital, he would have to peel my skin in the, sh in the shower every day, you know, cause you're saying, remembering those types of things, remembering all kinds of things related cause to it. Cause it wasn't just that one day. Right. You know? Sure. Sure. And, and, and then the whole time I'm thinking about doing this regressive hypnosis is like, why would I want to remember yeah, this? Yeah. You know, like that sounds horrible. Oh, definitely. But there were witnesses. There were people that I have not talked to on purpose that were there. So like my mom, I haven't talked to my mom about this. I'd like to see how her recollection of this versus what I experienced tonight. Okay. The neighbor. So, so just, there's people that you're going to interview that you and ask about this that have information or you're going to uncover things that they for should, the first time. They should have more information on this than I do. Right. And you haven't learned that information yet. So the story, but you told me the story of what happened. That was pretty base, bare bones. Though. But that's all I know. That's all you know. That's all I know. It came, fell on you. You got burned, you got in the car, you drove to the hospital with the neighbors. Yeah. That's it. Do you remember anything from when you were eight months old? No, nobody does, no. right? I've always thought, even when I was young, I wonder if those memories are in there somehow. And, and then I just can't access it. And so I thought, well, why don't I try it and see what happens? But the problem is that I feel like I'm too much of a skeptic to really let myself go and really access those memories because that's my worry that if I do this hypnosis, I might not let myself go enough to let it work. Right. So therefore it won't work because well, don't they say, they say that I think that like the number one thing is like your willingness to, to right. do it or go with it. Like if you're resistant to it, it's not going to work. Right. I'm trying to be a good sport about it and like really shut down my brain that this, the, the one, the part of my brain that's doubting this whole thing and just yeah. let it go and see what happens. You know? So I found this guy here in Raleigh that he does, he's a hypnotherapist. He's licensed. I don't know how that works, but he's not a medical professional or anything like that. He's just a hypnotherapist and he didn't want anything to do with me at first because he looked up my podcast and he thought that I was trying to do like some sort of hit job on, on him. Right. And I said, no, I'm not. And so it took a while to convince him that I was not 
trying to ruin his business or anything like that. So we met at a restaurant for lunch and I, I want him over. I think he knows what I was trying to do. And so he, he goes, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. Like he, I've offered to pay like several times and he didn't want to take it. And so we scheduled it for tonight, you know, to oh, do wow. uh, a regressive hypnosis session. He says that he could get me back to that place. Now he's being honest that memories are are not solid they're fluid they, they kind of rebuild themselves over time and right. i've heard stories about this incident and he says what you might remember may be real or maybe a composite of things you know right so i'm gonna give it a shot and see how it goes huh so what the hell is hypnosis anyway give me a word any word and i show you how the root of that word is greek well the word hypno comes from the greek word hypnos which means sleep and the suffix osis describes a process or a state so is hypnosis a state of sleep or is it something in between so i looked it up webster's dictionary states that hypnosis is a trance-like state that resembles sleep but it's induced by a person whose suggestions are readily accepted by the subject. Another dictionary says that hypnosis is the induction of a state of consciousness in which the person apparently loses the power of voluntary action and is highly responsive to suggestion or direction. God, that makes it sound like the person under hypnosis is some kind of puppet. But maybe these dictionaries have it all wrong. What if hypnosis was just another word for relaxation or meditation? I guess my point is, two freaking dictionaries can't agree on the definition. How are we supposed to know what it really is? After the break, I'm going to meet with a man who's going to put me under a trance. Will he be able to help me remember the accident that took place when I was eight months old? When I was eight months old, I burned almost 30% of my body. 30%. I'm sure at first, no one knew if I was going to make it. One study shows that children younger than 48 months with burns on more than 30% of their body surface had a higher mortality rate than adults with the same identical injuries. But remember, my burn happened in the 80s, and survival rates have significantly improved over the years. Even children with larger burns can survive. I have imagined this accident over and over in my head my entire life. I've always wondered what it was like. I know, I know, it's kind of morbid, but I've been curious. So I contacted a local hypnotherapist to see if he can help me access some of these memories. His name is Mike. We recorded this interview a few weeks prior to my hypnosis session. So Mike, I reached out to you about maybe a couple weeks ago asking to interview you about hypnosis. And and very understandably, you said no, <laughs> that you were not interested, right? Well, yeah, I said I wasn't interested in being on a podcast, essentially. Yeah, but the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I've been interested in doing regressive hypnosis. I've thought about this my whole life, not even before I wanted to do this show, because I experienced a traumatic event when I was eight months old and I have no memories of it. I was, I have third degree burns on the left side of my body. I grew up in Miami, but I would want to wear long sleeves all the time. I was a little bit of ashamed of, 
of the burn scars. But now that I'm older, you know, it's had 40 plus years of stretching the skin. So it, 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 you didn't notice it, did you? No. When you first met me? No, not until you pointed it out on your shoulder. Yeah, it's as part of my story that has followed me throughout my whole life. I'm so glad I don't remember it, first of all, because I think that that... It's traumatic. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, Mike, let's just start at, at the beginning. Like, what is hypnosis? Hypnosis, Javier, is just a very relaxed state. And you have a very high level of focus, of concentration. And that high level of focus and concentration is what allows us to be able to retrieve memories. So what we want to do is we want to get the client into the deepest trance state we can. The deeper, the better. You can get more work done. And the reason is because we get the conscious mind to step out of the equation, to basically give up the driver's the steering wheel, right? So think in terms of that within your mind, there's a hard drive. And on that hard drive, just like you would have on a computer, there are files. And during events and circumstances that take place in our life, starting from when we're born to current day, those files are getting written. I have no memory of that event, but are, do you think that those memories are there, that I could access those? Yes. Those memories are still there. Now, again, the deeper you go into trance, the higher the probability is that you're going to be able to recover those memories. So the deeper you go, the better. Mike has performed hypnosis hundreds, if not thousands of times. Many of these sessions are not a one and done deal. His clients return over and over again, undergoing multiple sessions in order to refine lost memories or change some sort of behavior. But how do you access a memory from when you were a toddler? Ask any medical professional or psychologist and they'll tell you that most adults can't remember anything before their third birthday. It's called childhood amnesia. That's because the hippocampus, you know, the part of the brain that helps us recall memories, well, that hasn't fully developed yet. Another reason is that kids don't really start talking until they're three. They have no language to hang on to. But Mike, the hypnotherapist, disagrees. The biggest mistake a lot of people make is they believe that when we're young, a year old, two, three years old, that we don't have memories, that we don't comprehend things, and that's absolutely false. There are many times when I have regressed clients back to ages when they're in the crib, when they're infants, a year old, two years old, many times over my life where people would say, oh, don't worry about it, the kids don't understand but the kids do understand. The whole reason why I'm doing this is because I I want to understand hypnosis, but I'm not quite sure I totally believe it, right? I'm kind of skeptical, but in order for it to work, I have to kind of believe, right? I have to let, let go and kind of accept it, right? Yeah, so you have to come in with an open mind and you have to come in with a commitment to want to resolve the conflict, whatever that conflict may be. If a client comes in, they convince themselves that I can't be hypnotized or I, I don't want this to work or I'm going to prove him wrong type of thing, um, then they're not going to be hypnotized and the session is not going to, to go well. It's not going to be fulfilling. What should I expect when, when we do this session? Well, what I explain to my clients, Javier, whenever they come in is the first thing I explain to them is that there's nothing magical or mysterious about hypnosis, right? People get their 
perspectives from the television, from movies and stuff like that. All hypnosis is, is an altered state of consciousness. And the truth of the matter is we go in and out of trance all day long. Let's just say there's a very popular movie that's playing. And when you get to the theater, which seats 500 people, when you first get there, you think to yourself, wow, I mean, the theater is packed. There's a lot of people here. When you sit down and once the film rolls, all you're focused on is what's playing on the screen. You don't pay any mind to the other 499 people that are in the theater. The reason is because you dropped into a trance state. You dropped into alpha state. The same thing happens when you read a book. The same thing happens when you are playing a video game. All right. So our session is going to happen in a couple of weeks. And what should I be concerned about? I mean, I'm, I'm going to walk in there with an open mind and really try to, to be open to this. Knowing my story, my backstory, what should I be prepared for? So whenever clients contact me, Javier, and they want to go back to a period in time where there was trauma, and your situation would be trauma, I gently suggest to them that they really think through whether they want to have that session. Because when you do go back to those moments in time when there's a lot of trauma, you will re-experience what went on, the emotions, and everything else that's uh, attached to it. And the client has to make a decision. Do they want to do that? Is there a benefit to going back and doing that? And uh, so I always give them a heads up because I don't want anybody to be surprised. I don't want to not have that conversation and then bring them into the session. And then all of a sudden there is an ab reaction. They can get very scared. They could become very emotional in the chair crying. I mean, in my case, it's almost more about to, to satisfy some sort of curiosity about knowing what happened, but really I could only see downsides from remembering because I think it's a blessing that I don't remember it. Would you advise somebody like me to go through with something like that? I, if you responded the way you just responded to me, that you look at it as a blessing that you don't remember it and you can't see an upside to going back and re-experiencing it, then I would suggest that maybe you don't do the session, honestly. Yeah. Let's say I remember what actually happened, like the, the, the session produces memories. Are those memories real or are they imagined? They are, for the most part, real. The deeper you go into trance, the higher the probability that what you're recalling is what happened. Now, that's not to say that there's still not some conscious mind interference and sits in the back seat of the vehicle and hands the steering wheel over to the subconscious mind or the inner mind. But the conscious mind is still vigilant. It's still observing. I am also of the mind that if somebody believes something, they can actually construct a memory that seems very real to them. Now, it doesn't mean that it's made up it's, it's constructed, they have maybe obsessed or worried about something or focused on something for so long that they believe it to be true, very true. Well, in my case, I've, even though I have no recollection of getting burned or this incident ever happening, I have a vivid picture of what it would have been like. Right. Because I know the, the kitchen where it took place yep. and 
you know, I just see it in my head, even though I. So you constructed the scene. You constructed the scene. You will recall how you felt, your emotions, the trauma within you, not how it was described to you, maybe by your mom or somebody else. You're actually going to feel it for yourself. I do believe there are times when people will go back into certain memories and it may not be 100% factual that uh, it's, it's not bulletproof. But before I undergo hypnosis, I wanted to get a second opinion from another hypnotherapist. Her name is Wendy Friesen. Hey, Wendy. How's Hello. it? Hello. <laughs> can you hear me okay? I can. How long have you been doing hypnosis and what were you doing before hypnosis? But I was a tanning salon owner. So I had a tanning salon for eight years and I had to close it because tanning wasn't so popular anymore and my lease was up. I didn't know what to do, but I was reading the classified ads in Sacramento Bee and there was a, a hypnotherapy class coming up for, that was four months long and stuff. And I called them up and I went there and I became a hypnotherapist. 27 years ago, wow. I started. And so before getting certified, had you ever been hypnotized before? I had no idea what it was or what it was about. It was just a strange fluke that I saw that little ad and I thought, well, I'll go see. I would imagine that most people have no idea what hypnosis is actually doing. Like, what is the science behind hypnosis? Well, you know, they try to come up with different things that explain it. But I don't think anybody actually knows because hypnosis is such an ethereal and odd you know, thing to do with your brain. So what you're kind of describing is less of a medical thing and more of a spiritual phenomenon. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I call it the software in the brain or mind, uh, not understanding how the software works. But like there was a woman who had a stroke 20 years earlier and her arm, her entire one arm was completely numb. She said, my arm is so numb and I haven't moved it in 20 years that I was frying something in the frying pan and I heard something sizzling and I looked down and it was my hand in the frying pan oh, <laughs> cooking because wow. she couldn't feel anything. Right. We did one session together and she could feel, she brought back the sensation in her hand and she moved her fingers. In Even one 20, session? Yeah. In 20 years, she hadn't been able to do that. So, so the I way think, the way you're describing it, it's 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 almost like your brain is the enemy. The your brain is the one holding you back. Yeah, isn't that like life though? And our brain and our thoughts and our negativity and our judgment is what's holding us back and keeping us from creating our own miracles. Yeah, but when somebody comes to see you, do you say, "Hey, hypnosis is the way to go," and the medical community, or is it an either and? Well, certainly I don't tell them to quit seeing their doctor or, you know, using their medications or whatever. We often discuss it, but it's still their choice. Do you think that people might sometimes, people who are skeptical about the medical community might bypass doctors and go to somebody like you first? Yeah. Yeah. Some people do because they don't have a lot of faith in the decisions that doctors make. And I think we definitely need doctors. We need to have physicians and look at what happens in the physical body. But very few doctors understand hypnosis. This one doctor, Dr. Rose, started sending his patients to me. And he loved hypnosis. He was all in favor of it. 
And so that's where I got a huge start. Yeah. But if a patient comes to you, do you routinely ask, hey, we'll do this hypnosis session, but but also consult a medical doctor about this? Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes they're seeing psychiatrists. When a person is under hypnosis, are you controlling the subject or is the person in control? It's both. I'm, let's say I'm asking them to go back to a time when, you know, something happened. Like there's a woman that was in a motorcycle accident and she, her leg came off in the accident. And, um, we went back, so I'm controlling this. So I'm asking her to go back to the moment right after the accident. And I'm asking her to tell me what she's feeling, tell me what she's thinking. And we're going through the trauma so that we're bringing it to her conscious awareness. But the big problem was she had phantom pain all the time in the limb that was missing. So we worked on that. And I discovered something really amazing about phantom pain because there is no cure for phantom limb pain. But what I did with her and I've done with some other amputees is I I asked her to go to the part of her brain that was sensing the pain and receiving the pain. And then I asked her to imagine that she's following that down through her body to the place in her leg that was damaged in the accident. So she's recreating this imaginary leg and going to the part of it that was the most crushed and damaged. Her phantom pain went away. So I went back up to her brain and explained to the brain that made the leg like look like it's healed and have her imagine everything's restored, send that information back to the brain, and the phantom pain was gone. And this has worked with veterans who lost limbs and all kinds of people that I've done this with. According to Wendy, there's not much hypnosis can't do. So what what are some of the more common things that people come to see you? I mean, the thing that comes to mind is smoking, yeah. losing weight. What else? Yeah. And for me, I I don't know how much you want to talk about sexual issues on the yeah, show. Yeah, is yeah, it? yeah. We'll, okay. uh, we'll, we'll get to the penis stuff because that definitely oh. caught, <laughs> that caught my eye. Oh. Ah, hell with it. Let's just jump into the penis stuff. Oh, a lot of men want help with sexual dysfunction, like impotence or premature ejaculation. You know, we we deserve to have a good, healthy sex life. So what can't hypnosis take care of? There are times where someone will ask me, you know, send me an email and say, oh, well, this one was recent. This man asked me if I could help with an injury he had to his testicle when he was a teenager. And there was an injury to it. So now he's an adult and he wants to see if, and I told him, I said, no, I, I just can't imagine that we could fix that. And this was, he just let me know a few days ago. He said, hey, this is working. The pain and that tightness is gone now. And I think that it's growing. I think that my testicle is actually growing back because I can feel more size and fullness. But I even told him, I said, I don't think it will work. But for women... There is a hypnotic orgasm technique that I have on video that I've done with this woman and with others, but it's, I create this spot on the back of the hand that is to make her really responsive with all these wonderful suggestions. And it's pretty amazing. Is it for for women who don't naturally orgasm? 
Um, not necessarily. It can be, and it has been used for that, but it's more to enhance the sexual response because a lot of women feel kind of like guilty because they're not responding, you know, quickly enough. If I type in hypnotherapy where I live in North Carolina, I get, you know, several places pop up and they're probably dealing with the smoking and the weight loss. But are you saying that you've kind of specialized now in, in sexual like hypnosis or? Yeah. Yeah. Even from the very beginning, 27 years ago, I got so many emails from men asking for help with sexual stuff. It was amazing. Like, don't men think about anything else? <laughs> it was, Maybe it was like great. two other things we think about. Yeah. <laughs> Food. <laughs> and, and I can't think of the third thing, but. <laughs> and football. <laughs> there was one email that said, I want to learn to hypnotize women for sex. Money is no object. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but I stopped. I didn't push delete. And I kept a conversation going with him for about 15 or 20 emails. The way Wendy describes it, she makes it sound like hypnosis can do anything. So it's no surprise that a man once requested her to perform a miracle. Somebody came to you because they were shortchanged by God, you know, they, they had a small penis. And so <laughs> what do you do with that? Like when somebody approaches you about that? Shortchanged. <laughs> well, this the original person that started this. Um, he asked me about that and I was like, Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. But during that month, he was on a business trip away from his wife. And while he was listening to this tape every day, this confidence is like a rush of joy floating through your body. You can feel the tingle now from the top of your head all the way down to the very tips of your toes. That warm tingle. He said, I think things are growing. I think things are, you know, thicker and there's some length and it's changing for sure. And when he got back home after a month with his wife, he said, <laughs> we had trouble getting it in because... It was big. It was bigger. And it's even bigger flaccid. And he grew enough that it was significant enough that there was a little bit more effort needed. How, how, <laughs> describe how that could work. I'm, I'm having a hard time bridging like hypnosis to growing a penis. Oh, I know. And I totally agree with you. It, to me, it was like, that's really, that really happened. And it turns out that Indeed, men were enlarging their penises enough that it was very noticeable for them. But how does that work? Like, how? what are you telling them? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know. Well, okay, think about when I'm talking about, like, you're going inside of your body, imagining that your amputated leg is still there because your brain's sending signals to grow new cells and to regrow blood vessels, things like that. Well, if we focus that on a penis, why can't it grow more cells and instruct the body to do what it knows how to do, which is to grow more cells? Because the breast enlargement with hypnosis, that's researched at UCLA and Stanford over 12 weeks with hundreds of women to show that they increase their breasts with hypnosis. So that's where it kind of was like, if that can happen, why can't that happen? <laughs> 
There are a few studies conducted in the 70s that showed an increase in breast growth, of average of one or two inches for all the women that took part in it. But these were small studies, and they lacked control groups. And there weren't any follow-up studies either, and no one in the medical community actually took it seriously. But hypnotherapists like Wendy latch onto these studies to give their wild claims legitimacy. But then there are some studies that show that your body can do really weird things under hypnosis. For instance, there's one study that says that hypnosis can be used to control bleeding from patients with hemophilia, you know, people who bleed uncontrollably. So maybe the mind can temporarily control our bodies. But the question is, for how long and to what extent? A lot of other hypnotherapists, they kind of still, you know, laugh at the fact that I do enlargement things. They probably don't want to talk about penises too much. And I didn't for a long time. And now I don't care. <laughs> Let's talk about penises. But I was brave and it was, wow. <laughs> you claim to restore hair growth in men who are balding. Is that is that true? Yeah. And the reason I, I made that program is because the um, Propecia is the drug that they give people who are bald to get them to grow new hair. And the placebo rate for Propecia is 48%, if I remember right. That means placebo alone grew hair on 48% of the men's heads. And that makes me think that we have a mechanism in our body to stimulate those follicles to grow hair again. And that's why I made that program because, you know, with placebos... If you're like me, listening to Wendy is not giving you much confidence in hypnosis. She claims that men could elongate their penis, make their testicles hang a little lower. I mean, seriously, what else can it do? So I wanted to do a round of rapid-fire questioning. We'll do a little fire, a fire <laughs> round here. Okay. All right, so rapid response, you know, can hypnosis help depression? Yes, absolutely. Can hypnosis help autism? Don't know. Probably not. Can hypnosis cure cancer or stop cancer? There, yes, there is evidence to show that we can increase the killing of cancer cells with hypnosis. Oh, wow. And have you worked personally in any of those areas? I've worked with a lot of cancer patients and some of them died. And I'm, I never tell them that I'm going to cure them or that hypnosis is going to cure them. Can hypnosis make you taller? <laughs> Some people think so. I, you know, I made a session for that. I recorded a session. Some of the people that used it said, yeah, I think I grew a half an inch. But I always tell them, I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> All these things makes me wonder, has anybody ever talk to him and like, Wendy, come on, is this snake oil? I mean, are you, have you crossed the line from being a hypnotherapist to a snake oil salesman? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there are some people who are kind of skeptical, but in the, in the profession, the people who go to these conferences, and I speak at a lot of the conferences, they, they don't really get into this, oh, come on, you can't do that, because they have seen massive miracles happen, things that they thought couldn't be done in their life being a hypnotherapist. So they're all on board that, well, why not levitate? <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> By the way, I wasn't the only one questioning Wendy's claims. Two magicians, you may have heard of them, 
Penn Jillette and his sidekick Teller called bullshit on Wendy's claims that hypnosis can kill cancer cells. On Penn and Teller's bullshit, that's the name of the show, by the way, the magicians tried to debunk hypnosis and other pseudoscientific ideas. I have one called Heal Your Body, and it's just about releasing anything that's not supposed to be in your body, bacteria or viruses or cells that are damaged or cancerous cells. But it's that's all, just that littlest bit. So that's how they decided to make this show a total mockery is saying she can cure cancer. She says she can cure cancer. No, I did not. And I told the producer, no, I do not. And I'm not making that claim. I never have. And I said, I don't have a CD for curing cancer. And then they used the one little bit in it that says, you know, let those, let your body release those things that are harmful. And there was one word that I said about any cancerous cells, you know, along with bacteria or viruses or whatever. It was so, devastating. It was horrible. But earlier on, and uh, and when when I first asked you about the cancer, you said that that hypnosis could, in some could cases. there. Yeah, there is evidence that we can. I did not want to go down that road with them. I'm not claiming that I can cure cancer, but hypnosis does help reduce cancerous cells and we're killing cancerous cells all the time. So why not enhance that quality? And so they, you mentioned viruses too. Like we never even talked about that, but can can hypnosis cure the coronavirus? Boy, that would be a tough one. I I have no idea. I would say probably not, but then again, when I used to get, if I felt like I had a cold coming on or I felt like I had the flu, I do a hypnosis session on myself to stop it and get my mind to go into healing, highest healing mode possible. And I didn't get sick. The next day, I'm like totally fine. And a lot of hypnotherapists do this. They heal and cure things in their body. Like, but, you would, but you would advise somebody to take a vaccine, right? Oh, yeah. I've had my vaccine. And oh, okay. So it's not like an in place of a vaccine. Oh, no. Let's just say that Wendy did not restore my confidence in hypnosis. I think I'm going to stick with Mike, the hypnotherapist back in Raleigh. Well, I've come this far. There's no way I'm turning back now. I have to go through with the hypnosis session. Describe to me what, what's going to happen during that session and what happens shortly afterwards. Okay, so... The way you go into trance is it's an induction. After that, there's an exercise called, it's a release technique. So we'll just start off very basic and we will release anything that we feel inside, in this case you, that is maybe holding you back in life. We don't wanna just jump into something like a regression back to a traumatic event. Then what'll happen is I will regress you back in time, back to that moment in time when you were in the kitchen Usually what happens is emotions and feelings establish first. And then once the emotions and the feelings establish, then the, the visuals start to come into play. In your case, if you go back and it becomes very upsetting and it's very emotional and it's frightening and scary, there's a technique where I can have you dissociate from your body. What happens is you're actually now watching it like an objective bystander, as if maybe you're watching a television set or something. So this is it. I'm going to undergo hypnosis and I'm going to let you listen in. But we're almost 45 minutes into this episode and there's still a lot to cover. So I'm going to end it right here. I know, I know, what a tease. But I can't ask you to listen to an hour and a half episode. That's insane. Ain't nobody got time for that. 
But if you want to listen to part two right now, there is a link in the show notes for my Patreon supporters. But if not, tune in next time to see if I was able to uncover any of the memories from that accident. In the meantime, if you've experienced hypnosis yourself and you want to share a story, send me a voice memo. My email is in the show notes. Also, I'm trying this new thing where I'm partnering up with different artists to create unique artwork for each episode. This week's artwork for the Hypnosis series was created by Colette Elliott. You should check out her collage work on Instagram. It will blow your mind. I will have a link in the show notes. I love this artwork so much that I'm putting it on the Pretend store so you could buy a t-shirt with this week's episode's custom artwork. See a link in the show notes. Before we go, I want to introduce you to a brand new podcast, but not just any podcast. It's my friend Ravi Patel. He has a new podcast and I wanted to bring him on to tell you all about it. Ravi, so tell me about the podcast. Thanks, Javier. I'm a huge fan of your show and I have something that I think will be of interest to your audience. The name of my show is InstaTrue, true stories about MIT, a trove of wonder, discovery, and madness. Um, So every episode will feature someone from MIT. Case in point is episode one. It's a true story about a guy who was essentially raised by a con man, except he doesn't figure that out until he graduates from college. So in your show, I love how you dissect various cons. My episode is going to focus on the victim and the courage of a son as he tries to undo his father's sordid past. So let's play a preview of InstaTrue. On a sunny spring day in 1999, two men dressed in suits and ties met for breakfast at the Ritz-Carlton in Boston. One was a lawyer named Jay, and the other, an MIT grad with the weight of the world on his shoulders. We shook hands and Jay sat across from me. To put me at ease, he pulled a quarter out of his pocket and put it on the table in front of me. Please take the coin and place it in my hand, he said. I did. He added, now you're paying me for this legal consultation. Everything you tell me will be held in strict confidence according to U.S. law. That's Harvey Simkovitz, MIT class of 76. And while he is now protected by client attorney privilege, he is also exposed within a complex set of family dynamics. A coupled set of diffy cues, if you will. One misstep could land Harvey in jail. But the mere act of seeking help involves betraying the trust his father has placed in him. This episode is about a deeply conflicted son confronting his father's sordid past. A past containing a secret Swiss bank account, offshore tax havens, forgery, mistresses, and playboy bunnies. I'm Ravi Patil, and this is InstaTrue, true stories about MIT, a trove of wonder, discovery, and madness. This podcast explores the diversity of the human experience. The question of what it means to be human is a timeless one. By hearing the stories of others, we just may find a piece of ourselves and be inspired to transcend our own limitations. Creative Babble.